Hello, I'm Georges Collinet with this week's Afropop Worldwide audio feature, a web-exclusive supplement to the fifth and final program in our Hip Deep series on Egypt, Revolution Songs. Check out the programs section at afropop.org to hear all the programs in our Egypt series. Now, I turn the Afropop microphone over to Banning Air, who is asking, what next for Egyptian music? Thanks, George. During the month Afropop spent in Cairo in the summer of 2011, we asked everyone we interviewed how they thought the revolution would change Egyptian music. Some said there would be less love songs, more patriotic songs, more songs about the struggles of youth. But beyond that, the answer was pretty much always the same. It's too soon to tell. Ten months later, in April 2012, we reached Mina Girgis by Skype in Cairo. Mina is an Egyptian ethnomusicologist and co-founder of the Nile Project. He's been back in Cairo a lot since the revolution, and on this most recent trip, he's finding more uncertainty than ever. There is no story to tell right now. It's not the way it was during the revolution. The revolution was an epic. I mean, you see people that are dying for their freedom and you see people that are killing them. So you see like black and white, the struggle just completely crystallizing. The biggest news by far on Egypt's music front has been the rise of hip hop. Historian and rocker Mark Levine is the author of Heavy Metal Islam, and he's not surprised to see so many rappers launching new careers in Egypt these days. Rapping is a natural thing to do in a revolution. It's a chant, essentially, and it's a way of conveying a message very directly. Brutal vocals, let's say in a metal band, you know, you can get on a stage in Tahrir and start screaming out brutal vocals. Everyone's going to look at you like, what the hell is he saying? You know, you can't really motivate 100,000 people with brutal vocals at a rally. But you certainly can rap and really synthesize the feelings of a group in a way that is entertaining and motivates them and captures the spirit. So rap is both more amenable to revolution, but also more easily commercializable. Not that all Egypt's fledgling rappers are angling for a career. Check out this young guy rapping for a film crew in front of the state television building in Cairo last January. He's taunting High Commander Tantawi of the Supreme Council of the Armed Forces for not living up to his promises. Where are the trials, the young rapper asks. Where are the rights of the poor? Where are the rights of the dead? I'll avenge those who are killed. I'm sick of words that put us to sleep. That's what you might call a folk rap. Now, here's a real rising star on the Egyptian rap scene, Ashraf El Saman. This is from a live street performance captured on YouTube. The rap is called The Farm Prison, and it's about the cushy treatment big criminals from the old regime get while behind bars. Uh, 
نطلع عشان جوه احسن ما احنا عايشين بره طب ممكن حد يقول لي هي فين سمار الثوره فين العدل اللي يغلط ابن بيه يعني ايه واحد يسرق ويفضل برضه بيه وواحد تاني يسرق وبيتشعلق من رجليه وفي اقتراح عايزكم انتوا بس توافقوا عليه هنغير اسم سجن المزرعه يبقى كباريه وادي الواحد بيتهيأ من الهم اللي فيه بعد ما الشعب طالب بيسقط النظام دلوقتي بيطالب يا حب قد حرام ولا هيفتح كلامنا ده Crowd loves Ashram, who tells them petty larcenists get harsh treatment, while the big criminals get five-star service, eating fish, watching cable, getting visits from their wives every Friday. But you know, in the Egyptian story, the real fathers of this sort of art are not rappers, but rather the singer Sheikh Imam and the poet who wrote his songs, Ahmed Fouad Neg. In the 1960s and 70s, these guys created political songs extraordinaire, funny, clever, dripping with sarcasm, and so memorable that many were sung by the protesters in Tahrir Square. This one, El Bahr Biet El Hakle, means roughly, why is the Nile laughing? It's a reference to an old Syed Darwish song in which a woman takes her water pot to the river and finds the water laughing. In the Sheikh Imam update, the river's laughter is mocking all the ills in Egyptian society, and the song becomes an anthem of resistance. Sheikh Imam asking, why is the Nile laughing? Karim Rush, co-founder of Egypt's first really successful hip-hop act, Arabian Nights, cites Sheikh Imam as a crucial artistic forebearer. Sheikh Imam, he's a blend between shabby music and hip-hop music because he didn't have that vocal ability to sing that well, but he, he still made the songs just to make the statement, which is kind of a more melodic form of what we know right now as hip-hop. Sheikh Imam was really street and really political. And the poet that used to write his stuff, Ahmed Fouad Ning, was very much a poet. I met him I, I met him before and rap is rhythm and poetry at the end of the day. So if he knew what rap was, he probably wouldn't have even worked with Sheikh Imam. He probably would have just gotten on the mic on his own. <laughs> so yeah, we had we had that culture going on from before hip hop. During the Mubarak years, Egyptian music went into an anesthetizing romantic swoon. Heartthrob movie star and singer Abdel Halim Hafez was a towering cultural figure pre-Mubarak, and in Abdel Halim's songs, amorous though they were, Rush finds a kindred spirit. <laughs> I'm 
Salim was, was a very romantic singer, but at the same time, he was singing about the war. He was singing about the social issues that were going on. So uh, it was, politics were always a form of music in Egypt, till recently. And now we're just bringing it back. It was never a way, no, 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 it was never a way. Abdel Halim probably died during the first two years of hip-hop, if 1974 counts as the first year of hip-hop. He kind of gave the torch to hip-hop before he died, you know, spiritually. <laughs> of course, die-hard Abdel Halim fans don't all see it that way. Even now, the fans, the older fans of Abdel Halim, for example, sometimes some of them are not accepting to what we're doing. But you know what? If Abdel Halim was alive, he would have accepted it. That's why we sampled Abdel Halim in one of our songs in our album as well, because we, we, we feel like he passed the torch to Adawiyah and Adawiyah passed the torch to us. You know, generation to generation. That's Ahmed Adawiyah, the father of Shabi music. More about Shabi in a moment. But first, here's a track from Arabian Nights mixed with a clear nod to the glory days of mid-20th century Egyptian music. Arabian Nights with Dornia. Karim Rush started rapping in Amman, Jordan in 1999. When he came back to Cairo a few years later, he was discouraged to find a local hip-hop facing heavy resistance. There was no support from media or industry. Arabian Nights began in 2005, put out a mixtape on the internet, and quickly built a loyal fan base. But journalists accused them of aping the West, and one of the group's rappers even received a threatening phone call, warning him to cool it on the political raps, or he'd find himself behind the sun. 
That's what they call it here when they just grab you and you know you're not seen anymore. It was called Behind the Sun. In the aftermath of Tahrir Square, Arabian Nights is not behind the sun, but in the spotlight and proud to lead a movement of homegrown Egyptian rappers. We don't feel guilty about listening to rap anymore. <laughs> now it's not an American thing anymore to us. It's something that we can relate to and if our artists are doing it, talking about our problems, then it's 100% Egyptian to us. Arabian Nights' first full album is called The United States of Arabia. It takes on all sorts of political and social issues, including a powerful rap against the harassment of women, a major and ongoing problem in Egypt. This is a collective work. Every track has guest rappers and producers, and that is a statement in itself. Rush knows that his country's future will depend on unity, not division. It's that crab mentality, you know, push each other down so that nobody goes up. Uh, I'm against that. That's why I'm really working a lot with a lot of rappers all the time. That's very important. We need to work together rather than work against each other. There's no time for competitiveness right now. Rush also brings in Sufi and Shabi singers on a couple of tracks, like this one featuring rapper MC Amin and Upper Egypt Sufi singer El Fashni. Rush envisions fusions of crunk, reggaeton, and shabi. He's already hearing the future of Egyptian music in the work of shabi wedding DJs like Haha, Ortega, and Figo. There's already people in the shabi scene who are not really literate like that when it comes to music, but they know how to blend. They know how to make their own form of music. That DJ Figo guy is all over the internet and his beats are insane. So uh, that's one of the first forms of music that I have to work with because this needs to go to America. And this is not going to go to America unless it goes through a blend. I had to blend it with hip-hop to introduce it because, I mean, if you play a shabby song in any club in America, it'll go crazy. Like, all respect to crunk music and to reggaeton, this is the new thing right now. Now, if you've been following Afropop's Egypt series, you've heard about these shabby wedding DJs. Everyone from composer and producer Fatih Salama to electronic music maestros Hassan Ken and Mahmoud Refat have proclaimed the sounds these DJs are creating the most interesting new music in Egypt in the past five years. 
Mahmoud Refat noted that shabby DJs even earned the approval of that most demanding of audiences, the protesters in Tahrir Square. If I would go there and put my, I don't know what, or any other DJ, or just even a pop song, it would never be accepted. And it happened in front of my eyes several times. They tried to put songs, like new songs or something cheerful, some, and everybody said, no, stop, don't do it. And many people, you put the revolutionary songs or you put these guys on stage with their laptop and just and everybody's happy and it's accepted. of Afropop's Hip Deep series on Egypt, Mina Girgis makes an interesting prediction. He says the confluence of Egypt's newly engaged rappers and its super creative, laptop-enabled shabby DJs will create the next big thing in Egypt. After a year spent listening to every kind of Egyptian music I could get my hands on, I'm inclined to agree. Rough prototypes of this fusion already exist on the web, and you can find links to some at afropop.org. But when the right producer gets the right artists into the right studio, look out. This is one Egyptian revolution that's guaranteed to yield a satisfying result. Thanks, Banning, for a great wrap-up. Visit our website, afropop.org, to find interviews, videos, blog posts, and more from our Hip Deep series on Egypt. And join me next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Until then, I'm Georges Collinet.